Welcome to the Genesis Church Podcast. We'll have more information at the end of the podcast, but for now, please enjoy this week's teaching. Hello, everyone. I have a scripture reading from Revelation 22, 1 through 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and its servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will be no more night. They need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. The word of the Lord. Appreciate that. For those of you who don't know, I'm Will. I'm worship coordinator here. Thanks for being here, whether you're in the room, you're joining us online. I know we have a number of folks right now who are under the weather and or recovering from illness. Uh, So if that's you and you're watching, we see you. Hi. We love you. And also, uh, we're praying for you. And don't hesitate to reach out for care, care at genesiscov.org, because we have loads of people in this room and not in this room who want to help you and want to support you. Uh, I'm up here today because one of our own, uh, Pastor Dan Cook, Uh, is ill. And then Pastor Kara was going to be gone today for the marathon. And then Pastor Oshida's at Roots and Pastor Ali's down in Kids. So y'all get the guy who dropped out of seminary today. (laughs) So lucky you. Uh, But all jokes aside, uh, pray for Pastor Dan's recovery. And also uh, our dear friend Rebecca is with family right now. So just pray that she enjoys that time with family. And also many thanks to Pastor Dan, whose notes and outline I am making lots of use of. So like, you'll probably hear some Dan in this, uh, because he helped a lot. Thank you, Dan. Uh, Today is the last Sunday of Creation Tide. Uh, The season technically ends on October 4th, which is the feast day of St. Francis of Assisi, whose feast we're celebrating tonight, 5 p.m., be there, it's going to be awesome. Uh, wanted to add, too, if you are grieving the loss of a pet or want to grieve the loss of a pet, uh, feel free to bring something to the gathering to help remember them by, and we'll also have a word of blessing for you as well. Uh, broadly speaking, in the arc of the season of creation, uh, we've engaged with God as creator and highlighted the importance of creation for our faith journeys. In that, creation draws us to God And that this very creation, not an escape from this creation, is the place where God's promise of renewal and restoration happens. And each week of Creation Tide, we've gotten to zoom in on a specific element of creation. Uh, Because the resources and the lectionary text that we've been drawing from intentionally choose scripture portions, and they group them together around a specific element of creation. So for this year A of Creation Tide, we started with forest, and then we went to land, and then we went to wilderness, and today we are at river. And then, as we do this again next year and the year after that, we'll get to engage with eight more elements of creation and dive into them. Eight more pieces of creation to join, to lament with, to learn from, and to celebrate 
in our journey together of becoming Jesus's ordinary apprentices who are learning to love God, ourselves, each other, and all of creation wholeheartedly. Let's pray before I get into the meat of this thing, shall we? Uh, Creator God, thank you for plants. Thank you for sky, earth, air, stars, sun, little bugs, little microorganisms, all creatures great and small, all things wise and wonderful. You made them all, and we are grateful. Uh, May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be pleasing to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. According to a 2011 study by environmental scientists from Finland, Amsterdam, Slovenia, in which they were using 2007 data, 90% of the world's population lives less than 6.2-ish miles from a surface of fresh water. That's a lake or a river. And over 50% live closer than 1.86-ish miles. According to data from NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, there are roughly, this just blows my mind, 3.5 million miles of rivers and tributaries in the United States that connect us to the sea, even if you live super far inland. Most Americans live within a mile of a river or stream. 60% of our drinking water in America comes from rivers. River water irrigates our crops. Approximately one quarter of all global food supply is irrigated from water from rivers. Rivers provide hydroelectric power, food via fishing, and help transport goods. For a variety of indigenous peoples who harvest salmon in the Pacific Northwest, rivers are where language and story are passed down, where ceremonies are held, where the law is kept and embodied, and where these people put into practice the reality that they are interdependent with the salmon and the entire ecosystem around them. Quite literally, for us humans, rivers are life. We depend on them for our life. But I'm not here to be merely anthropocentric, Human-centered, fresh water hosts 10% of all known species globally. Fresh water, 10% of all species, even though it only covers like less than 1% of land mass. That's just wild. Uh, and according to National Geographic, nearly half of the world's known fish species live in fresh water. For how vast and large the ocean is, half of the species that are known live in fresh water. Rivers are quite literally their home where life happens for us and for a sizable portion of our furred, gilled, scaled, and feathered kin on this planet. In light of how essential rivers are to life on this planet, it's no wonder then that the scriptures are full of rivers and river imagery. And when we read this passage from Revelation 22, my brain just hyperlinks off into so many different places. Here at Genesis, when we engage with Scripture, we do often talk about how there are hyperlinks within Scripture. That is, within a text, there might be a word or a phrase that makes you link to another text, kind of like a Wikipedia article. So I'm curious. I'm going to ask you a question. No gold stars, no jewels in your crown for getting a correct answer here. There's no correct answers. I just want to see what comes off the top of your head. What other Scriptures... And no exact reference needed. What other scriptures come to your mind when you think about rivers and or trees? Mm-hmm. 
The tree planted by the water. Yeah, that's a psalmist thing. Yeah, tree planted by the water. Thank you, Michelle. Deer drinking from some water. I don't think it's a river, but I think it's drinking from water. That's for sure. Yep. Thank you, Enoch. Some baptisms in what river? What super important biblical river? The Jordan. What else happens at the Jordan? Most things. People cross over it to get to the promised land, right? Okay. What other, what other rivers, perhaps? Or, and or trees. Not just one. Moses was in a river. Little baby Moses gets put in a basket in the Nile River. Another thing happens in the Nile River. Turns to blood. Oh, man, that sounds right that it was the Jordan, though, that Naaman dipped in the Jordan. Thank you, John. What else? There's plenty more. Not that, like I said, no jewels in your crown, no gold stars, don't worry, no pressure. Some other ones I thought of and admittedly looked up using John Google. Uh, that's my like personal name for Google, John Google. Um, <laughs> our images from the psalmist, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Uh, by the rivers of Babylon, we hung our harps and we wept. Uh, The rivers are clapping their hands for God. The prophet Isaiah talks about rivers in the wilderness. Uh, There's a really important thing about rivers at the beginning of the Bible. Does anybody remember that one? Genesis 2. uh, Anybody out there? Bingo points for you, whatever. There's the whole bit about like the four rivers flow from the Garden of Eden out to the whole world kind of thing. So the common threads from kind of all these scriptures about rivers are, I get a sense of transition, life, newness, desperation, and longing. So let's see if any of those things show up in this Revelation text, shall we? And Revelation, right? Super easy book to talk about. No one has traumatic memories or feelings about, right? Uh All jesting aside, you're safe here, and I will not be telling you today about how a specific reading of a chapter and verse will give you the exact date of Jesus' return and what that will specifically look like for all of humanity, because that would be wildly irresponsible, because this book wasn't meant to do that. It's a kind of literature that we don't really engage with often as modern readers, apocalyptic literature. Apocalyptic literature doesn't mean end of the world. It means unveiling or revealing. And Jewish apocalyptic literature of the time contained the idea that a messianic figure, not necessarily the Messiah, but a messianic figure, will soon arrive and overthrow the current world, which is ruled by evil, and usher in a new kingdom. Other ideas engaged with and developed in apocalyptic literature include heaven and hell, angels and demons, and a battle between good and evil at the end of days. To be clear, the kind of ideas John the Revelator, the author of the book of Revelation, is espousing here are not unique to the New Testament. You get a little bit of in the Old Testament, and these ideas aren't unique to the Bible itself. There's tons of deuterocanonical texts and apocryphal texts and texts outside of the New Testament that do this same thing. Revelation is not a unique book in that regard. 
In the case of Revelation specifically, John is writing to churches under Roman oppression using this genre of apocalyptic literature to remind them that this life isn't all there is. And whatever suffering they're enduring will be dwarfed by the good of the reign of God to come, thanks to our Messiah, Jesus. That is, the genre is a delivery system for the message. The genre is not the message. I think that's the biggest mistake people make with the book of Revelation. They see all the imagery and all the blah, 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 and all the, you know, dragons and winged beasts and fire and stuff, and they think, well, that's the message, right? No, that's the genre. It's the vehicle for the message. And as such, when we interpret Revelation together at Genesis, we usually caution that our default mode should be to not take it literally. Uh, Real quote from Pastor Dan's notes here. John wasn't warning the churches of an actual seven-headed, ten-horned, seven-crowned dragon. (laughs) So when the reign of God comes into our world, per this Revelation 22 text, is there literally going to be one giant city with a river cutting through it with a tree that is simultaneously on both sides of a river and with ever-abundant fruit year-round, and oh, by the way, we won't need lamps or the sun? No. And this fantastical imagery of the river, the tree, and the city is beautiful language that we can comprehend and embrace and digest because it is, it's so grounded in our reality, in our perception, in our lived experience of God's good creation. We know what trees are like. We know what rivers are like. We know what cities are like. We know what it's like to pick fruit, to harvest fruit from a tree. So let's jump back to those kind of uh, earlier references to all the other biblical rivers and think what our pal John the Revelator is saying here. He's saying when God reigns, everything is going to be right. It's going to feel like a transition from old to new. It's going to feel like life. It's going to feel like abundance. It's going to feel like longings and desperation are gone. It's going to feel like satisfaction and wholeness. It's going to feel like a river going through a city, feeding trees that heal the nations. Now, it's one thing to know on a head level about this beautiful imagery and come to the conclusion of, yes, yes, God's reign is when everyone and everything has enough, so I should just do more for the earth and for the people of the earth. But don't we want this imagery, this promise of God to flow from our hearts and our bodies into our very lives? We can't settle for mere knowledge and effort in our faith journeys. That gets us nowhere. There's a reason why in Protestantism we have been so adamant about moving into relationship with the living presence of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because this try-hardness, you're going to burn out. (laughs) It really sucks. So, In light of that, we're going to enter into some contemplative practice right now. We're going to do some Lectio Divina. And Lectio Divina is a contemplative practice, like all contemplative practices, that helps us enter into wholehearted, embodied union with God and the world around us, with our lives actually as they are and the world actually as it is. Or another way to put it in Richard Rohr's words, contemplation is a long Loving look at the real. 
In Lectio Divina, we calmly sit with the scripture portion for multiple readings, asking questions of God, the text, and ourselves to enter into that long, loving look at the real. So, in a moment, Bree is going to read the text for us slowly and carefully. And as she does so, settle into a good, comfortable spot. Notice your breath as you inhale and exhale. Let your focus be on this one task of being present with God through this scripture portion. Let the words that Bree reads wash over and enfold you. And as you listen, consider what is one word or phrase sticking out to you. Bree will read. I'll give us a couple minutes of silence and then invite anyone to share aloud a word or phrase that resonates with you. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will be no more night. They need no light of lamp or sun. For the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Now I'll open the floor up to anyone who'd like to share aloud a word or a phrase that is resonating with you. fruit. Now our friend Matt is going to read the text a second time. Continue to pay attention to your breath. Let it go in and out. And as you listen and reflect in silence, now ask of God and of yourself, God, what are you trying to say to me through this word or phrase? Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of this street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and its servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and there will be no more night. They need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Say that one again. Twelve kinds of fruit every month. Peace. Freedom from 
freedom from control. Now Bree will read the text one last time. And as you listen, reflect on how God might be calling you to respond to this word or phrase spoken to you. Perhaps you have a question for God burning within you. Perhaps there's a certain action you're feeling called to take. Perhaps there's something you need to let go of. Bree will read, we'll have some silence, and then I'll invite us to share aloud. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will be no more night. They need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Invite anyone to share aloud what you sense God is inviting you to respond. The river is life. The river is life. There'll be healing of the nations. John's stuck on the fact that this singular tree is on both sides of the river. Amen, brother. It speaks to the interconnectedness of all things. Mm, and that it speaks to the interconnectedness of all things. Yeah. Well, thank you all for engaging in this contemplative practice as a community this morning. Realize it's a vulnerable space in this tiny room with this tiny group of people, but I'm really glad that you did it. So thank you for, for joining in and doing that. As I've sat with this imagery from Revelation 22, I realized just how vapid and shallow and boring my mental conception of heaven, and that's with air quotes for the podcast listeners, heaven is and has been. Uh, streets of gold, white clouds, white picket fences, manicured lawns, stadium worship concerts with God at the front. And as I've sat with this text, I wonder if the Mississippi River that I pass over hundreds of times per year is beckoning me, calling me with the voice of God to come and remember. Remember that I am woven into life with this river, that God's good life flows through this river and to me and back again. That as I learn how to care for this river and enact that care, I'm learning how to care for myself and you and you and you and you and the fish and the salamanders and the birds and crustaceans and the mammals. That this is what it's like when God is in charge, when God's throne and the Lamb of God are in the tree of life. 
that there is a harmonious ecosystem of abundance where every living thing has what it needs. Part of what this season of creation is teaching me is that I can't, that what I need can't merely be physical or merely be spiritual. And it is good for me to not separate the two as if they could be separated. Rather, I'm reminded that I can live in this mysterious union between the physical and the spiritual because we live in a sacramental reality. Now, that's a fancy phrase, so let me break it down for you. Sacraments, simply put, are outward signs of inward realities that help us receive the grace of God. So Eucharist, the bread and wine, are an outward sign that help us receive the inward reality that we are God's beloved. Same with baptism. But the amazing thing is that we live in a sacramental universe, meaning that all of creation is a cup overflowing with the beauty and the goodness of God where God can meet us to give us good gifts. Author Christine Walters Paintner puts it this way, this discovery that every creature and every created thing can be a window of revelation into the divine nature is an invitation to fall more and more in love with the world. To see that teachers of grace exist everywhere means to bring a sense of reverence to the way we walk in the world. When we encounter nature as sacrament, we can no longer objectify it. We can instead create the circumstances that nurture and nourish this kind of vision. Sacramental vision means not only that we grow in our love of God's ways in the world, but also that we grow in our sense of kinship with creation. So this is my proclamation of good news to you and charge to you, dear Genesis. Go to the river. God will meet you there. And go to God. The river will meet you there. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Genesis Church Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion. Creating opportunities for our community to respond from wherever they are in their faith formation. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary and a church calendar because they anchor us in something which can hold us no matter what life throws our way. Our goal is to become ordinary apprentices of Jesus who are learning to love God, ourselves, and others wholeheartedly. If you have any questions or would like to connect with please us, please visit genesiscove.org. Thank you.